Welcome back to New Rockstars. This is a breakdown of the boys, season two, episode six, The Bloody Doors Off. I'm Eric Voss. This is the boys underground, the boys after show that still isn't totally sure if Stormfront is a Nazi. They're, they're really slow playing this one, don't you think? I'm just waiting for definitive proof. I mean, yeah, yeah, she has the hidden Nazi box full of uh, Hitler youth knives, but like... I don't know. They could they could underline it a bit more. I mean, I, I, as of now, it still seems like we could just be those typical Hollywood types that are <laughs> reading into things, making everything racist when it ain't, even though this is our natural Florida accent, right? Zach? That's right. Yeah, most of our blood is swamp water. Yeah, <laughs> yeah swamp water and Gatorade. It's the same thing. Yeah. As you can tell with me to join some thoughts on Vought is the lamplighter to my Frenchie. I I guess that comparison works. <laughs> Off-screen producer Zach Huddleston, welcome to the show. Hello, Eric. Uh, there's some blood on these hands and on this Zippo. Hopefully that blood isn't Tommy and Marina. Don't worry. <laughs> Tommy and Marina will be back soon. Both of them just had uh, other conflicts this week, but they'll be back on the show soon. Yes. So this was a pretty interesting episode. A lot of things came together. Zach, why don't you summarize it for us? Absolutely, Eric. So this was a lot of action this episode. So the boys headed down to the Sage Grove facility that It'd kind of been teased on Stormfront's emails in the previous episode. There they learned from Lamplighter, past member of the Seven, whom Starlight replaced, that Vought is testing a more stable version of Compound V on human adult subjects, including the body imploder, Cindy, who escapes. Lamplighter is a much more sympathetic, empathetic version of the character than the one we got in the comics, and he feels guilt over accidentally killing Colonel Mallory's grandkids before the yeah. series started. Frenchie shares that guilt because he lost his hail on Lamplighter trying to save his attic boyfriend, Jay. And we learned Frenchie's real name, Eric Surge. Sells you f***ing come right now. I just thought it was Frenchie. <laughs> What's wrong with Frenchie as a <laughs> yeah. name? I mean, we call you American-y all the time. Yeah, all the, I am pretty American-y. Yeah. <laughs> so back at the Sage Grove, not to be confused with the Surge Grove, a breakout <laughs> among the kind of inmate patients causes Huey to get gravely injured. It gets like impaled by a big old chunk of metal. Yeah, you know, when characters flip in cars like an Inception, that's not a safe thing, I guess. You know, sometimes a shrapnel shard will go yeah. right into your gut. It, it's a good reminder to me to take out all those loose pieces of metal out of my car. Um, <laughs> I'm leaving mine in. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, to try to save him, uh, Starlight kills a driver, but she feels no guilt over it, which kind of strangely creates a bond between her and Billy Butch because they're both yeah. uh, cold-blooded in their pursuits. Mother's Milk is almost strangled uh, by the world's longest love sausage. The fetish I didn't realize I had until I witnessed it. Talk about yeah. Mr. Fantastic, huh? Yeah, it speaks for all of us. Uncut. <laughs> Uncut. Just interesting. How do you how do you circumcise a snake that big? Where, where to begin? That's like a four-foot <laughs> skin. Okay. Um, kind of at the, one of the climaxes of the episode, Colonel Mallory is convinced to spare Lamplighter so that he can mm. help the team. He's kind of joining yeah. up with the boys in some way. Uh, meanwhile, in some subplots, uh, The Deep uses his fish friends to recover <laughs> a video recording from Flight 37 that Maeve plans to use to blackmail Homelander. But of course, her girlfriend Elena sees the video and doesn't like it. The Deep also tries to recruit A-Train into the Church of the Collective in a really fun scene. Mm. And Homelander and Stormfront's violent passion deepens in uh, some real gross 
kinky ways. Stormfront yeah. reveals to him her Nazi origins, what we were talking about, and what we didn't yet know, that she was the wife of Frederick Vaught. She's a legit 100 years old, and uh -huh. she plans to use Homelander to lead a neo-Nazi army in a race war. And of course, Homelander, the egotist and fascist that he is, is all about it. Yeah, that's, uh, it was, Interesting, but not all that surprising union between the two of them because Homelander's been dropping some like veiled or not so veiled <laughs> kind of superior uh, pseudo racist stuff from the beginning. So, yeah, they've done a really good job bringing these two who started as rivals uh, to see their mutual agreement on a lot of issues. And now, of course, they're they're one and the same. And I am terrified. Yes. I, and I, I, for one, was surprised by the uh, Mrs. Vaught revelation. Eric, did you see that coming? No, no. I, I had some theories that maybe uh, she could have been related to him. Maybe she could have been him herself, you know, mm. in kind of a disembodied brain sort of deal. But uh, yeah, the fact that they'd be married is an interesting thing because it brings up the question of like, well, then where is he? Or what happened yes. to him? Yeah, he was willing yeah. to experiment on his wife. Do we think he was probably also willing to experiment on himself? Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of interesting questions to come out of, out of this big reveal. And in a very violent, fun sequence, it reminded me a lot of Cabin in the Woods, where they, they look on all the different security screens to see the melee that's going on. Yeah. Uh, and you just hear screams going on. Who knows how many people died and what horrible ways they died. And I love the reveal of the long uh, tentacle, um, you know, dick. Because <laughs> I'm thinking, like, I'm thinking mist. I'm thinking toad from X-Men Tongue that's dragging someone to their doom. But nah, it's dick. <laughs> of course. <laughs> on a show like The Boys, it's going to be a dong. Yeah. It's always dong. <laughs> Well, uh, let's break down the top 10 big Easter eggs and visual details that you might have missed from this episode because there was a lot of cool stuff that that's kind of hard to notice at the beginning. Let's start with the episode title. It's called The Bloody Doors Off, which, yeah, is a reference to a boy's comic title. All the episodes of the series are referenced to boys' comic issues. But the deeper origin of this phrase is Michael Caine's famous line in The Italian Job. You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. Yeah, that film moment, Zach, to me is like the boys in a bloody diabolical nutshell because it's like the encapsulation of the overkill that mm. rings especially true for this episode in which quote unquote good guys like Starlight, Frenchie, Billy Butcher, they all kill far more heartlessly than usual. It's really a mixed bag of morality and I think it's gonna be very important to how we see the boys going forward. And then yeah, of course the episode opens and closes with references to the sitcom Golden Girls. The Golden Girls, those saucy ladies. They made their own family. Mm. You are my Blanche. Blanche. Mm. Jerry, you are my Dorothy. So you're Betty White. Oh, what a f***ing question. Of course I'm Betty White. And yeah, Zach, I'm sure you caught that Golden Girls theme playing at the end of the episode. I think it's worth noting that this is the second time the boys have compared themselves to famous girl groups, of course, after the Spice Girls. You put them together. Now they're going to Spice Girls. How do you know so much about the Spice Girls? Which, you know, it's kind of like a little ironic in-joke by the show that despite their masculine name, they most relate to the qualities of things like compassion, support, sisterhood. Beautifully, that's kind of what sets them apart a little from the seven. I'm, I'm just disappointed that the writers missed an opportunity to say something along the lines of Golden Girls get it done. Yeah, oh, that's gotta, oh, please, please bring that back. Um, now, speaking of like girls get it done with that superhero moment, it's worth noting that Golden Girls is tied to Joss Whedon 
and his family's history because his father Tom Whedon was a big TV screenwriter as well he wrote on Golden Girls which did launch nepotistically Joss Whedon's career as a sitcom writer on shows like Roseanne that was before Joss would go on to work on things like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel and of course superhero movies that the boys comment on citing Joss Whedon by name last episode so it all comes full circle there now we didn't get any Billy Joel music clues this episode which is a bummer but Huey does wear a shirt depicting Billy Joel's The Stranger and I love how this episode opens with Huey getting sprayed with his ex-girlfriend's blood in the face when they remove her tracking chip and that shirt later gets soaked in blood it's just a little reminder that that blood that he got coated in while he was debating Billy Joel music with Robin in that opening scene is kind of blood that he'll never be able to escape on this show love and violence forever linked for Huey for- huh? <laughs> and yeah and that scene it's not really missable Frenchie wears goggles just like he's depicted in the comics hey side note I don't really care about that <laughs> you know adaptation details are not easter eggs it's like oh look Harry Potter has a forehead scar just like he does in the books like if that's gonna be your kind of comment like oh it's just like it is in comics that's not that's not a detail don't comment okay fourth detail homelander and stormfront banging that alley uh he's in the blood of the thief whose skull gets crushed and there is some fun graffiti if you look around there's the uh homelander saving america posters they're defaced with his eyes x'd out maybe a reflection of his like blindness to stormfront's nazi agenda there's another tag that reads r.i.p spidey which i don't know if that's like a spider-man thing obviously spider-man doesn't exist in this universe but i just thought it was a fun little thing to see but the cool detail here, notice the line. Sometimes it feels like like the justice system just doesn't work anymore. Everyone always recording on their phone all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Stormfront is the one who's always recording on her phone. Something that pissed off Homelander last episode when he was caught on someone's phone. And yeah, it's a recording of Homelander in May from Flight 37 that's gonna be reappearing later this episode. But my favorite part of this, I'm pretty sure that is a CCTV camera recording them in this exact moment in the alley the skull crush is visible by the angle but stormfront smartly rubs homelander out of sight from the camera his back is turned to the camera and then when they it's around the corner away from the camera interesting i'm sure she is aware of all recording devices in the vicinity all right fifth detail mallory talks about frenchie's history with uh some of the other soups and cold snap two months ago malchemical a month before that you don't know about those either yeah cold snap uh malchemical those are soups from the comics actually you can see a cold snap poster showing up in frenchie's apartment but mallory mentions a darker entity in this world adx florence it's a supermax in Colorado. They've got the Unabomber, head of the Aryan Brotherhood, all the greats. That Aryan Brotherhood mention, a little reminder that neo-Nazism is sadly alive and well in the United States. Something that uh, definitely comes back at the end of this episode. It makes Stormfront's Nazi reveal even more not that shocking. All right, next detail. In the Sage Grove Medical Center are some more familiar soups. There's Tiny Hero, whom we saw in the Soup Sex Club in the uh, first episode of the series. The Acid Spewer, who has that horrible death, uh, is probably based on Discharge from the group G-Wiz in the comics. And of course, there's Love Sausage. He's based on the Russian soup from the comics. And yeah, it seems like he dies this episode, which is a bummer because he has a really fun arc in the comics. But in the comics, his dick doesn't stretch out like that. But for comics readers, it might have felt a little ironic to see M.M. as the one who gets strangled with it. Minor spoiler warning for the comics here. Uh, so if you haven't read the comics and you're going to be bummed by learning something, skip ahead a little bit. But in the comics, Mother's Milk 
gets his name from the fact that he needs his mother's breast milk to survive going forward. And his mom is this like tragically disgusting figure who lives in his basement and grows into this gross blob with her breasts stretching out in a similar tentacle way to the way this dick does that strangles mother's milk. So I don't know if it was intentional that it connected that way, but I did think for a second, I'm like, wait, is his mom being kept in this facility? And that's what's strangling him right now. Oh. Uh, but no, that wasn't the case. There, there are some questions, right? Like we don't know what uh, his father, the, the litigious, character that's yeah. been mentioned at before why he was suing uh, Vought so aggressively right or how that totally yeah. resolved so interesting yeah for sure for sure there's more to learn there for sure alright let's talk about Lamplighter Sean Ashmore who I gotta say it again I love the fact that he's playing this Zippo pyrokinesis guy which is essentially what his rival in the X-Men movies was he was Iceman he was the cold snap of that world whereas uh, yeah he has the Zippo now it's fun fun little thing now in the past we learned that Lamplighter was recruited to work for the boys he was blackmailed with some mystery photos now the angle blocks Mallory's tablet but there are a few clues that tell us what uh, what was on that there was that red carpet for his light in the shadow journey in a night premiere where he comes off as a ladies man with a pretty young date I'll say Sean Ashmore isn't that old but the date is just significantly younger and then when they make fun of his look they say that he looks like a baton twirling majorette which stings him personally in an interesting way as if to say you're why are you bringing up like a young cheerleader right now and then it's a zippo lighter it says titty committee uh in an interview Sean Ashmore said that his first question when he read for this part was what what are they using on him what's his dark secret well apparently that lighter connects to some sexual relationship that he had with underage girls he's a predator and i'm thinking maybe it was connected to high school cheerleaders based off of that majorette comment those photos that mallory had were of some past sexual encounter he had with someone that was illegal and that's why he had to step down from the seven Interesting. I, I like your inferences there, Eric. Okay, really cool detail here. Outside Huey's hospital room, there's a poster with Maeve encouraging people to donate blood, which is now pretty ironic with Maeve as an LGBT person because the FDA until recently had issued guidelines prohibiting sexually active gay men from donating blood due to some lingering fears, some misunderstandings about the HIV epidemic starting in the 80s. Now, those restrictions have recently been relaxed under COVID, but it's just interesting that the LGBT member of the seven is now associated with this poster saying, hey, donate blood, except if you're this type of person. Though that poster might have been hanging on that particular hospital wall for like five yes. years. And right, she's right, only right. been and outed recently. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. We're not saying it's a new poster printed. It's just saying that now poor Maid probably has to walk around and see the way she's been depicted in the past and be like, oh, I would not make a poster like this now. And and also makes you think about this whole time she's been living with this this you know double standard of the way she's being presented versus the way she knows she is on the inside and it just it sucks that it's just a little reminder that she's been misrepresented this way i thought it was interesting how the flight 37 recording ended with i love you tell the boys i love them this poor poor guy sending a message of love to his sons but also he says the boys it's just i don't know maybe <laughs> a little thing that's showing that like you know the necessary evil of the boys is going to be the thing that brings homelander to justice i think ultimately also what an endorsement for gopro cameras that it was <laughs> yeah. able to survive a plane crash and at the bottom of the ocean those things are yeah. tough 
They couldn't find the black box, but they could find the GoPro. Well, that's the old joke of if, it's, I think it's a Seinfeld joke, if the black box always survives the plane crash, make the whole plane out of a black box. Yeah. <laughs> we should make a whole plane out of a GoPro. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, lastly, the thing we're going to talk about, to no one's surprise, Stormfront confirming her Nazi heritage. She's got that good old Nazi box, which, I don't know, I have some older relatives who were American GIs during World War II, and then they did, like, tear Nazi patches off of, like, uh, German soldiers as like trophies but like you know i think some people find that it's like an american beauty they're like why do you have this stuff it's like oh no we we fought on the right side of history and we want to remember you know that that good fight but um but some people collect too much of this stuff and then you start asking questions <laughs> as we see with Stormfront. In that box, if you were to look closely, yeah, she's got her Liberty costume. Uh, she's also got a German Wehrmacht hat, you know? And she's got that knife, and it's a Hitler Youth knife. It's a field knife that a lot of German soldiers had. It's got that symbol that matches the S of the Schutzstaffel, that's the SS. Uh, and her lightning earrings that we've been seeing her wearing this whole time do match that hard angle S shape. Now, I Cash does such a good job with this, with that monologue i hated hearing it but the way she delivers it is so creepily convincing um of like that she truly believes this stuff and uh there was that accent leak that she puts into her pronunciation of proper nouns like i was born in 1919 in berlin heinrich himmler and that's Goebbels. Yeah, despite her evolving American accent over the decades, it, it makes sense that she would be unable to shake that pride and endearment of those parts of German history. Just a little creepy thing she did that I thought was great. And I just gotta say, Zach, and I know you agree with me on this, I know it seems like everything these days is being framed as like veiled symbols for neo-Nazis. Like you can't make certain hand gestures anymore. You can't have tiki torches anymore. But <laughs> folks... That is the scary truth of this country. That yes. U.S. flag-draped Homelander immediately making out with Stormfront after learning her Nazi truth is a pretty on-point commentary about how American brand fascism comes from the same dark place that German fascism did. Just because we fought a war against them, I think a lot of Americans have forgotten the history of that and our history is scarily repeating itself. Yes, in that I think the scariest part about that ideology is how seductive it can be to certain people, right? Yeah. Like if it were universally abhorrent, it would go away and we'd never see it again, right? But yeah. because it keeps sucking in different people, especially I think somebody like Homelander, who is very like almost onanistic, right? We saw in that mm -hmm. the weird sex scene with um, Doppelganger, right? Like. He loves more than anything Homelander, right? Yeah. And so certainly an ideology that's going to raise him up to be like an iconic figure. He's all about it. Oh yeah, I'm your I'm your blonde-haired, blue-eyed Superman. Sure, let's do it. Well, the good news is, despite this whole idea of overkill from the bloody doors off title, making us worry about the comparable moral decline between the seven and the boys, the pure golden girls, mm. thank you for being a friend, is the antidote to that evil Zach. Notice how the way Cindy gets away in the final shot. She does not kill that driver the way Starlight and Butcher killed their driver when they were trying to hitchhike. She gets in the passenger seat. She is victorious where our boys have not learned to be a good friend yet. Interesting. 
Now, on the question of Cindy, Zach, I'm curious about you. We saw Cindy basically blowing up and popping bodies. Is this confirmation that Cindy was the one who killed Rainer in episode one? Well, that, that's a good question. It's certainly kind of inferring that, though we also saw in this exact episode, there are multiple soups with telekinetic powers, right? There was the guy yeah. that Lamplighter incinerated could move like a little ball in the air. So maybe he wasn't mm. as powerful or advanced as Cindy, but who knows how many soups can pop heads. And it also, that would mean that somehow Cindy, who does not like being locked up in Sagegrove, was able to be transported to a third yeah. location, kill Rainer, and then be brought back. Maybe maybe she was drugged or something like that. But that yeah, does... they did mention there was like a propofol drug that she was given. But if she was drugged like that, would she be able to use her powers to blow up someone's head? I, I don't know. Yeah. I also think it's strange... Again, we'll, we'll have to figure out why was Rainer killed in that moment, but not Frenchie and Mother's Milk, right? Who are yeah. also there, yeah. right? Why not kill everybody that was there at the time? Yeah, so it's it's not a, a closed case right now. I, I think it could be Cindy, but I it, it's still kind of an open question. We have some more open questions that we're going to be discussing in just a second, but first we want to thank some friends who helped us make this episode. Our friends at the True Crime Reporter Podcast. So, do you want to go into a journey of darkness into the mind of the worst sadistic serial killer in Texas history? Well, the new True Crime Reporter Podcast reveals how a corrupt parole system released Alan McDuff and how just one day after McDuff walked out of prison, women's bodies started turning up dead across Central Texas. Peabody award-winning investigative reporter Robert Riggs, the host, the creator of the True Crime Reporter podcast, reveals the inside story of the serial killer described as the devil himself and the only convicted killer to ever receive three death sentences in Texas. Holy crap. The 30-year veteran journalist pulls out his reporter's notebooks and law enforcement case files in this 15-episode series premiering on September 28th. The True Crime Reporter is a co-production with podcast ad reps and is their first PAR original podcast. It's also currently in development as a TV series, Free to Kill. So this is an amazing story. You're going to want to check it out. Don't miss this blood-chilling series. Subscribe to True Crime Reporter on your favorite podcast app. Okay, let's move on to some deeper questions we had coming out of this episode. Zach, I want to know from you, now that we know that Stormfront is a straight-up Nazi trying to restart a race war, how does Stan Edgar fit into that plan? Like, is he aware of it? Because he is a person of color. Does he fit into this? It's a great question, right? And, and we know that, like, Stan Edgar, from what we've seen of him and we haven't seen a whole lot right like he is a pro vaught guy right he worships yeah. at the altar of vaught and doing big business and increasing profits in corporate power either a he's seen that he can ride the wave of kind of nazi-ish fas fascism to more corporate power or he doesn't see that part of it and stormfront has kind of held the race war aspect of it away from him and just selling him on increased power more soups run the world kind of stuff yeah now this is kind of a stretch theory but do you think it's possible that i mean we've never seen stormfront and stan edgar in the same place at the same time i think but they are connected is it possible that Stan Edgar could have the mind or the soul of Frederick Vaught? Ooh, wouldn't that be great? Or we also know shapeshifting is a possibility in this yeah. world, right? Like he could have sure. shapeshifted into Stan Edgar or, yeah, a weird kind of brain transplant-y, uh, yeah. very Modoc-y uh, kind of situation. Yeah. Okay, and uh, Eric, onto our weekly Black Noir watch. Uh, there were just a few mentions of Black Noir. He wasn't heavily featured in this episode. Uh, Homelander talked about going off to run lines with Black Noir on the set, <laughs> yeah. which is so funny because he doesn't 
talk. Yeah. Um, yeah. But in their TV interview, when he and Stormfront are sitting down for a TV interview, they said some stuff about him. Black Noir is definitely the biggest ego. Such a team. Oh, so what do you think this means about Black Noir? Were they just kind of cracking jokes or does that hint at like a, a little bit of a personality? I think I think it does. I think they were cracking jokes, but they have been very careful to mention or show Black Noir at least once every episode, which is why we do the Black Noir watch. I think it's interesting that they say, how does it fit under the helmet? Her line was kind of obscured by the people talking in that scene. I don't know. I think it, at the end of the season, we may look back at this moment and be like, ha ha, they did mention uh, like what it's it going to look like when you lift that helmet off so i think it's going to be just a little moment saying like keep an eye on this character keep an eye on the fact that there's going to be a surprise reveal when we lift that helmet yeah it's it's chekhov's face at this point right yeah, yeah, like, it really is when that comes off it's going to be a face we recognize or that means something to us yeah. right yeah. <laughs> chekhov's face <laughs> okay next next kind of lingering question here eric what does it say about starlight that she got into being a soup to save lives but now she feels almost no remorse for ki killing that that driver on the roadside. Yeah, right? Isn't that interesting that she was just like, it's just another person in our way, you know? And she's even kind of reflecting on that. Uh, and that's kind of what brings her and Billy Butcher together as they both look on the pathetic Huey as just this, like, this puppy who's always there for us. It is super interesting that she looks over the child seat. It is just that oh, moment. But it's the same thing that made Huey really nervous back last season when he found out translucent had kids and he didn't want to kill him but he did it anyway so it's just like yeah it's it's just kind of they go through these same beats of like just because someone's a parent doesn't mean that i'm going to lose a ton of sleep over killing them but i i would say killing translucent is something that still haunts huey more than it appears to haunt starlight over killing this guy yeah but I want to know from you, uh, let's talk about Maeve now that Elena knows what happened on Flight 37. Uh, do you think it's going to create some tension between the two of them? Is it even going to work on Homelander to be blackmailed? Yeah, it, it does seem like she's dug herself in deep, right? Like that's the, the growing tension of this season. And now we're six episodes into an eight episode season, right? So we're getting yeah. to the point where like all the stakes are getting raised. Everybody's in trouble. And certainly her trouble is she feels like her only way of getting out underneath the thumb of Homelander is to use this blackmail tape. But we know yeah. like he doesn't respond really well to any kind of threat. No, no, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so um, who who knows? It does seem like if she were just gonna release it to the press, maybe she would have already done that. I hope that it doesn't lead to a situation where Maeve has to like kill Elena or something like that. Um, that would be really heartbreaking that just because Homelander found out about it, because it seems like that's where it's headed, right? The moment Homelander found out about Elena, then it's gonna like, oh, I don't feel great about Elena's survival. No, or Maves for that matter. Or Maves, right? yeah. Anybody yeah. that's oh. going into direct conflict with Homelander, you have to worry about their safety. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's kind of like, you know, we keep comparing it to like Game of Thrones, but when you have these shows where there's a lot of warring parties, kind of these moral figures that are in the center, the different warring parties, you really worry about their survival into the next season. Cause like, I don't, I don't see a place for you in this world. All right, uh, let's talk about the Fresca. So uh, the Deep recruits A-Train 
with a fresca, holds it out the same way Eagle the Archer randomly gave it to him. You know, it's super weird. Obviously, there are connections to the Church of Scientology. We see Alistair Aldana. Uh, he's head of the Church of the Collective. He, he's got a portrait that's framed very David Miscavige with uh, another portrait that seems to be there, L. Ron Hubbard. The mansion, clearly based on the Scientology Hollywood Celebrity Center <laughs> castle that you and I have seen many times when we're waiting in line at UCB and look up and be like, what is going on in there? I hear screaming. <laughs> And uh, yeah, they mentioned a documentary, clearly based on the HBO documentary Going Clear. But weirdly, they're all drinking Fresca at that table in nice goblets. What's yes. going on with the Fresca? Well, and, and I've both had and seen a lot of different explanations for the Fresca. One, it's just funny because nobody drinks Fresca, right? <laughs> all the cool kids have moved on to Topo Chico or uh, <laughs> other sparkling waters. LaCroix. LaCroix, yeah, yeah. right? Or, or we're still rocking the Sprites and 7-Ups, right? Who's drinking yeah. Fresca? And so it's 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 funnily specific in that way. <laughs> then also, yeah. like you just mentioned, like it's a clear soda, the going clear. Uh -huh. Uh, that, sure. It's also if if like Church of the Collective is a little bit aligned with like sober sobriety kind of twelve step ethos, right? It's something you can offer people that's not wine or alcohol. Um, yeah. so there's a little bit of that, like. Um, um, I know like some people when they've gone sober, like they just eat candy constantly or like they, oh, ma yeah, they yeah. mainline cold brew coffee or whatever, right? It's like, maybe there's a little bit of that. Um, or I've also seen the theory that all Fresca is drugged to make people yeah. more susceptible to uh, right. being recruited into this strange church, which I love the yeah. idea that like, at the source, all Fresca is drugged. These aren't special right. Frescas. The entire product line has sedatives in it. But I'll say it would be very creepy because it is a can of Fresca. It's not like a, a you know certain kind like cartons of something that you can clearly just like get because uh, we found out with like the Russians, you know, they can they can get a needle and they can get it in a, a water bottle and you don't know. Oh, but this is like a carbonated can. <laughs> Once you puncture it, they're gonna know that it's been tampered because. It won't get that nice, crisp, fresh, uh, fresca, fresh carbonation pop and sizzle that it would get otherwise. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. It's freaking me out. It, it also could just be the um, the white Nikes of the Heaven's Gate cult, right? Right. Yeah. Every cult yeah. needs their the quirk. Jonestown Kool Aid. Yeah. Or yeah. Uh, playing volleyball for the Nexium cult. If you're watching <laughs> yeah. The Vow on HBO. Oh yeah. Oh, I love that series. It's like my new weekly television. I'm like, yes, we get some uh, Lovecraft Country and we'll get some nice The Vow. Uh, some some fake scary some real scary just mix it up yeah, yeah. <laughs> which one's scarier this week well let us know what you think's going on with the fresca i'm sure we'll find out by the end of this season but let's move on to our kill counts this week okay well this was a big uptick eric for kill counts it's <laughs> been kind of a slow couple episodes lots of action but not a lot of death but boy it came in spades this week so um a lot of violence obviously taking place at the sage grove center um especially after that lockdown happened now we we tried to count, we were looking at the little um, security camera footage and, and whatever, and a lot of the violence, you know there's tons of people dying, but it's off screen, we hear the screams, we don't know who's dying, who's killing them, what's confirmed. So we, the kill count's only gonna reflect confirmed deaths this week, mm. okay? Okay. Also, who knows when um, a Homelander blows up his trailer, 
you know there had to be a poor teamster standing outside <laughs> just some waiting. pa yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean we've oh, yeah. we've been we've been just uh, loitering on sets before you just yeah. kind of lean up against a wall and then it blows up and you're dead so yeah um, yeah his electrical malfunctions <laughs> oh god so uh speaking of homelander he comes in with one confirmed kill this week of course because he is the one that squishes the head of the yeah, robber yeah. in the Ugh. opening sequence uh uh-huh. before making love to storm front frenchy also had a confirmed kill he shoots a security yeah. guard at the sage grove yeah. center though i i will say like when you see the the bullet holes are like black and i don't know if that's just because there's not enough time for the blood to come out made me think the guy might have been wearing a bulletproof vest and the gun just oh. kind of knocked him out but uh, let's say he killed him they were in that room for a while yes. i feel like he would have been able to be like <laughs> he would have woken up yeah. yeah billy butcher of course kills the emp uh yeah. soup who escapes the facility and, and harms Huey. Starlight kills the motorist who pulled out the gun. Yeah. Uh, love that character actor, by the way. Enjoyed his work on yeah. Monk and other other shows. Our friend Love Sausage, the Wild Wang, we saw him strangle an orderly with uh, his member. Lamplighter, he killed the telekinetic Tim, that guy from yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the first sequence, right? Who just wanted to talk to his sister. Roasted yeah. him. Boy, that's all it takes to get killed at Sage Grove. Just wanting to talk to your family. It's so dark. Ooh. I guess he also mentioned, uh, we know that he, he killed Mallory's family in the past. We're not counting that in the total this time. Because, no, yeah, that didn't happen the during the episode. Yeah. Or we didn't see it on screen. Kimiko uh, has two kills. She kind of stomps the face of the acid spewing soup. And yeah. then she also punched love sausage to death which by the way if your whole power is that you spew acid how messed up that you yourself are not acid proof yeah it just becomes uh acidic the moment it hits oxygen or something yeah i'm trying to figure out the physics no i I will say there are some parallels to that in the human body right like our stomachs are relatively acid proof but if our stomach acid even comes up into our throat it does lots of damage because our throat interesting is not that's that's what um uh heartburn essentially is or acid reflux is that part of our body is not nearly as acid proof as our stomach so and they have to tell um like pregnant women who vomit often uh not to brush their teeth right after they vomit they have to like switch it out with water because the stomach acid can eat away at their teeth enamel oh fascinating see uh the boys the most grounded show on tv (laughs) cindy our new our our favorite uh stranger things knockoff um definitely uh doing some 11 cosplay um she has somewhere between three and four kills you see her kill explode kind of three sage grove orderlies and it seemed like one of the people that explode onto a window we didn't see cindy do it but we could probably assume it was her though she's very nice to the motorist who picks her up hitchhiking which who's picking up okay you know you live in a neighborhood with some kind of mental facility (laughs) you see somebody walking down the road barefoot i'll pick him up sure oh look at that guy in the michael myers mask why don't you hop in (laughs) yeah Yeah. Uh, and then we did see on the security footage the one like kind of confirmed death there was some kind of uh one of the the soup patients has some kind of force field power a lamplighter-esque kind of power and we see him roast kind of two orderlies or security guards and then stormfront um, definitely led this week as she's been God, probably yeah. leading for the season overall. Six kills. She said that she killed six people in the cleanup of the breakout at Sage Grove. I just killed six subjects out there like a f- 
fucking teddy bear picnic. I don't know what that means, but it's great. Yeah. And of course, she contributed to the killing of uh, over six million Jews. So yep. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, no matter what, Stormfront killed the most people. Yeah. A lot of blood <laughs> on her hands. A fascinating episode. I can't wait to see where it goes next week. Zach, it's been a pleasure uh, talking to you. Uh, we got to go run some lines with Black Noir, but that is our show. Um, and uh, and again, Tommy and Marina will be back uh, next week and in future other things on the New Rockstars channel. They're good friends just because you don't see them here. It's like playing peekaboo with the folks sometimes. If they aren't in this episode, it means Philip is dead and in my trunk. <laughs> they all still work here. It's just people are doing other stuff. And yes. only Zach and I have the free time to be able to hop on camera <laughs> this week. Okay. But tune in every week for our reactions to the latest boys episode here on the Boys Underground. And be sure to subscribe to Boys Underground on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a nice rating and review. It really helps us. Uh, if we could trend this, it'd be amazing. And it would help us do more after shows in the future for things like uh, The Mandalorian, for WandaVision. Uh, we really love doing these immediate after shows in addition to like Easter egg breakdowns. So uh, yeah, we love being able to do new formats. Helping uh, Boys Underground blow up is a way you can help us do more things like that. Reminder to join our official Discord server by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash newrockstars. Discord is where we're going to be fielding questions that uh, we'll answer on the show. If we don't have time to discuss discuss stuff on the show we'll be talking about it on discord and we have uh, some big fans of the boys who we love checking in with every week so you can become one of them by joining us there uh follow me at ea voss follow zach at z huddleston follow new rock stars on social subscribe here on youtube to get too much information on all the stuff you care about including the disgusting kills from people <laughs> who are supposed to be good guys but are really just bad boys, bad boys. see you next time thanks zach thanks <laughs> <laughs>